I remember being in the car in Thunder Road. My mom showed me Thunder Road and that one really, maybe I was a couple of years after that, maybe, or like even it might've been just a year, but like, sure. and Thunder Road was like, you know, that's still like a huge song for me and for my mom and I, like I've, I got this guitar and I learned how to make a talk tattooed on my arm, which I know is his arguably his corniest lyric. And he has said that. But to me, that line always resonated well with my mom and I. So. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and welcome to a new era of Set Lusting Bruce. Not that it will matter much to you, uh, but it is now October, and so I am now a free agent. I am no longer part of the Southgate Media podcast family, uh, though I, I will always love Martha and uh, Rob, but they have decided to do some other projects, and so I'm kind of alone. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is Bobby is my first guest under this new umbrella, and he had just asked me, if I slip up and curse, is it okay? And I'm like, (laughs) it is under the new rules. So with that said, Bobby, how the fuck are you doing? And welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm doing real fucking great. It's nice to be here. It's good, you know, getting out right off the bat. But no, I'm great. I'm thankful to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, and uh, I will, um, now that we have that out of our system, it will probably only come up if we just if it's one of those effing things right like it was always the effing guitar like bruce talked about Mm -hmm. right it was never just the guitar um yeah so tell us a little about yourself bobby give us your elevator pitch to the audience so my name is bobby mahoney i play in a rock and roll band called bobby mahoney and the seventh son we i'm from east brunswick but we primarily play in asbury park but we've played uh regionally and you know into canada and as mostly east coast but as far like west as chicago and as far south as florida and new orleans we uh we play rock and roll we play a mix of hard rock punk rock indie rock you know classic rock um when you all kind of comes, yeah. yeah when you play in new orleans where do you play um we've only been there once we played a place called uh, saturn bar or okay bar, something like that honestly it was uh a one-off night we were there on a we think we played on a tuesday i think okay so i haven't been back since i would love to get back there soon yeah i'm a big fan of the tv show treme okay uh, which is on hbo it's set in new orleans post katrina and uh they show a lot of like um howling wolf and the spotted uh cat and a lot of different venues um not necessarily on bourbon street but on Frenchman Street, Frenchman Street is has a long history of live music. And so I just was curious. That's so. cool. That's good to know. We it's like, What was funny about that is because, you know, again, I had never been there before. And we got in right. on a Monday night and we thought, oh, you know, Monday night, we'll walk around, we'll see Bourbon Street, but it'll probably be kind of tame, you know, on a Monday. Yeah. It was not. No. It was as wild as you would think. You know, you would think it was like, you know, the night before Mardi Gras. Like, it was pretty crazy. It is. And then, yeah, yeah, it was nuts. And then, but then, so in there, for those who've never been, you can go in and out of the bars 
with alcohol on Bourbon Street. And like, you know, you don't really need to pay a cover to get into a lot of the places, at least when I was yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. But the show we set up for the next night was not anywhere near Bourbon Street. And right. We had a cover, which for an unknown band out of state, we realized was a mistake almost yeah. immediately. But, you know, it was one of those yeah. things. It's like growing pains and learning. And, you know, because we're, we're still totally independent. So like we, myself mm-hmm. and our guitar player do all the booking and we have yeah. help with from our local friends at Telegraph Hill Records that do our recordings and are good friends and help, you know, help us out. But the booking show side of it yeah. has been, you know, just us, you know, in-house. So it's a lot of trying to reach out to local bands across the country and, you know, we can show swap in Asbury Park, but we try to find bands to play with outside of the, you know, outside of our area to get into new areas. Yeah, so sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's when I'm not, and I also, I teach music during the day. So, and I'm not, okay. you know, what I, I like to say when I'm not yelling at microphones and, you know, beating guitars, I'm teaching music and doing what I like to refer to as like a musical Indiana Jones a little bit. It's like, you know, oh, you nice. during the day, I get to hang out and be a little bit more mild mannered, but at night I get to kind of go off and, you know, yell at Nazis. So it's good. Yeah. You know? Do you teach at school or uh, do you private lessons? What do you? Both. I okay. teach at a private school called fusion academy which is actually like a national um group of schools that's you know across the yeah. country and i teach at the fusion campus at the, mm-hmm. i'm sorry the princeton campus i apologize the princeton oh. campus okay and uh i also do private lessons outside okay. here so if anyone needs guitar lessons let me there know. we go absolutely do Zoom. Yeah. it's great yeah you know? uh well welcome so uh let's talk about growing up when you uh where'd you grow up at and what kind of music did your family listen to so i grew up in new jersey i was born in north jersey livingston grew up in garwood roselle park and my family moved to east brunswick when i was like four or five years old so i've been in east brunswick my whole life i'm still here for the most part okay um growing up my first musical memories were like like a lot of people driving around in the car with their parents and you know for me it was you know, Grateful Dead was one of the first bands that stuck out to me, honestly, like as a fourth grader, Friend of the Devil and Casey Jones spoke to me as a, you know, (laughs) eight-year-old, which is probably concerning. Um, But Warren Zevon, Meatloaf, Bon Jovi, Pink Floyd, you know, Zeppelin and Springsteen were really what I kind of grew up on, you know, ACDC. You know, my parents had, they felt that going to shows and you know, going to, you know, not just rock shows, but Broadway shows. And they was part of my education, you know, getting culture. And I was very fortunate. And I know a lot of people aren't as fortunate as me. And I've had very supportive parents. So I'm very, very lucky. But I got to go to a lot of concerts growing up. So I've got to see, you know, a lot of my heroes, you know, I'm very, again, very fortunate. But yeah, there was always my parents were big concert people growing up. So that was, you know, passed along to me. That's kind of cool, um, you know, that you're such passionate and, you know, the, that's a wide range of artists that they were listening to. So that's kind of nice. Did you go through a spell where you rebelled against their kind of music or have you, because it's such a wide variety, you know, um, an eclectic taste, did you not go through that spell? It sort of springboarded me to other music. So like, there's still like, you know, I'll... I have a very, again, I'm very fortunate. I have a very good relationship with my family. And like, that's all like, whereas like, you know, they started bringing me to see Springsteen. I would drag my mom when I got older, go see Jesse Mallon. Cause you know, Uh and then I got into Jesse and then I got to know Jesse and that whole light of day 
conglomerate of artists I started to know and follow and get become friends with. And, you yeah. know, from there, like, you know, so now my mom goes to see Willie Nile and Jesse Mallon, you know, like all the time, you know, which is great. And yeah. um, so um, there were times though, like I get into more, like I'm more into punk music now okay. and like more things sure. like again, but even my mom likes that I've defended my mom in mosh pits. So, but uh, they uh, definitely, there are things that in my music that like sometimes that like, they might not be a huge fan of or might not enjoy yeah. as much but i've never really felt the need to rebel because it was never like oh you can't listen to this it's like just something that might not be their cup of tea like if i listen yeah. to kendrick lamar that might not be something they enjoy but i enjoy yeah. it you know so so bobby you kind of answered this question already but i'll ask it again did how did you discover Bruce you, and you kind of shared that, but when did you kind of, he become one of your guys, quote unquote, and what about him spoke to you? Um, so again, going back to the driving around in the car, like I remember my parents had the greatest hits CD and yeah. I made on a particular trip to Canada. I remember vividly making them go back and forth between born to run and born in the USA. Because okay. I always want at, for when I was little, those songs really, I enjoyed a lot. And I could kind of get into those. And like, you know, at the time, you know, some of the other ones weren't, you know, maybe weren't speaking to me as much. I still liked it, but like those two songs, I'm like, can we hear that one again? Track eight, track 13. I forget what the numbers were, but you know, whatever, back and forth till, you know, just annoying the hell out of them. Um, but um, then, you know, I remember being in the car in Thunder Road. My mom showed me Thunder Road and that one really, Maybe I was a couple of years after that, maybe, or like even it might've been just a year, but like, sure. and Thunder Road was like, you know, that's still like a huge song for me and for my mom and I, like I've, I got this guitar and I learned how to make a talk tattooed on my arm, which I know is his, arguably his corniest lyric. And he has said that, but to me, that line always resonated well with my mom and I, so. Well, you know, Bobby, when I was a casual fan, I always love that line too. I, you know, and maybe it is a little corny, but the idea, and I think part of it is musically, you know, where he's, you know, Thunder Road doesn't have a chorus and then just, you have that break. And then, you know, that line is kind of not, and I'm going to do because, because I'm not a musician, but it's, it's almost like in a different tempo, a different, it's, it's like, he's italicized it. If you were thinking of written word, like, and I got this guitar and I learned how to make it talk. It's just, it, 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 it's bold. It stands out from the song. You yeah. Know? It, it almost, it's a, it almost doesn't fit in a way. Cause like the whole yeah. narrative. And I know we're going to talk about the narrative later. Yeah. I've spent some time thinking about that, but I, I'm looking forward I, to hearing that. I, but it this, it's almost like, and as a songwriter, I get it because like, you know, whether or not you admit it or not, it's all somewhat self, it's all biographical. Right. To some degree, you know? So I think that was him in his youngness, almost showing his cards a little bit. Yeah. And like having painted this whole picture, but also being like, but it's still about the guitar. Yeah. A little bit. And like, and yeah. to me, like I picked up the guitar, but my mom tried to learn it when she was younger and didn't really take. So then I, my grandfather would keep the guitar and, you know, messed around with it and play Johnny Cash on it every now and again. And when I was 10, I said, Hey, do you still have that old guitar pop up? Can you bring that over? And he brought my mom's old guitar over and uh-huh. I started, he showed me how to play a couple chords and I was kind of off and, you know, I never really took formal guitar lessons, but my mom would sit me down with, you know, Neil Young's heart of gold, you know, and be like, okay, you know, 
And that was the first song I learned how to play. And from there, like, you know, I kind of taught myself. And so having that connection to Thunder Road in particular, but just that, you know, seeing that Bruce was a kid from New Jersey, you know, my mom's a teacher, my dad's a, you know, works heating and air conditioning, you know, I'm, again, I'm very fortunate, but, you know, middle-class New Jersey family, you know, um, seeing somebody do that, you know, same thing why I love Brian Fallon, you know, and mm-hmm. Brian Fallon had a great moment when they headlined PNC for the first time. He talked about being the kid up in the back row going, you know, why can't that be me, you know, watching a show? Yeah. And I always kind of felt that way of like, you know, well, you know, why can't that be me? So that inspiration of, and now again, like, you know, there's as uh, many, you know, there's many differences, obviously, but that idea of like, just going and playing music and like, you never know what can happen. So that, you know, bit of possibility and just the energy of this shows too. Like I've that, you know, the him lighting himself on fire every night on the stage that, you know, yeah spoke to me and my, my, my mom brought me to see him for the first time on the magic tour in 2007 at the, uh, it was continental airlines at the time, but Brendan Byrne, Izod Center, whatever. Yeah. And my mom admittedly said it probably wasn't her favorite show that she's seen him play. But when he got to Born to Run in the encores, I was 12. I wept. Like, it yeah. really hit me. And that's that's probably when it really clicked for me. And my mom beforehand was, like, seeing him as a religious experience. And I kind of didn't really believe her. I was like, yeah, mom, whatever. Like, you know, I'm sure it'll be a great show. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, yeah. there's no way. Like, that's, you know, a little hippy-dippy for me. But she was right, you know, and it really kind of kicked me in the ass, really. So I think that's a good transition to, uh, Bobby, I always like to preface this with the amount of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, right? Course, uh, yeah. Because it just all depends. And and so for the record, how many times have you seen him? I was trying to count it out before, and that was something – yeah, I think it's been at least like 25 times. OK, which I re- I'm again, I'm very fortunate, but I realize that's a yeah. drop in the bucket compared to some people. Um, yeah. But I also started a little late in my defense. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's that's me, too. Right. Like I didn't see my first show till the rising tour 2002. So, you know, and and originally I you know, I'm living in Texas um, there. There's a great line um in sports night one of the episodes where i didn't know we could do that you know it never thought to me to travel like if bruce was coming to dallas then i would see him if he's not coming to dallas oh i didn't get to see him there was no thought of the concept of oh you own a car you can drive you know you can go somewhere uh so um you know I've, i've mentioned this before but uh my boss time is the website where you can go create a free account and it lists every show. That's so cool. you, you could go through and you can like, oh, yeah, I saw him here on Magic. And let me think about it. Yes, I think I did see that show and it would track it for you. Just yeah. it's, it, it's a rabbit hole that will go through that. You'll go, oh, OK, where did three hours go? Uh, I believe it. And I used to I, when I was in middle school or whatever, I'd come home from school and go on back streets and look at whatever he played the night before and look at the set list and oh look at he threw in and you know this slot and like you know oh wow this happened and you know i would follow along and europe same thing and like i've gotten to see him a lot of special times like i've been very fortunate um a couple that come to mind 
Carnegie Hall, he played a benefit with Jerry Seinfeld there for uh, raising money for autism research. Oh, a nice. Years ago. That was incredible. Not only because that in itself is incredible, but he was he got there a little late. We were my mom and I were by the stage door and he kind of didn't stop. Him and Kevin went in and they were sound checking. So we kind of went into the lobby of the theater, but they weren't letting people into the actual theater yet because he was sound checking. But I could hear him playing a little bit. And like an usher must have walked through or something and the door was open a crack. Uh-huh. So I grabbed my mom and I said, come on. So we go in and we're standing in the back of the theater. It's just us and him. And he played, had to have played longer in the sound check than he did in the actual show. How funny. Yeah. Getting to stand, you know, in Carnegie Hall, empty, having him play Thunder Road to mom and my mom and I, that's, you know, priceless, really, honestly. So that. Um, a lot of the light of day shows, you know, at Nasbury Park at the Paramount Theater, the for the Light of Day Foundation. For those of anyone listening who doesn't know, that is that's a foundation that raises money for Parkinson's and similar related illnesses. Um, Bob Benjamin does a lot of great work. <coughs> um, shout out to them; they've been good to me. I started going to those shows as a fan. Like you know, I'm waiting outside the stage door, talking to Jesse Mallon, and you know, Bruce driving by in his truck you know and signing a couple things for people and you know me trying to give him a demo cd then and then you know cut to the next year where they let me i got to play one of the shows like the wonder bar and then i got to like you know i became friends with willie nile and the guys in joe grashecki's band uh danny gockner in particular uh, joe's guitar player um so i actually cut my teeth guitar teching for a lot of these guys and like so Willie Nile breaks a string, you know, for a while, I was the guy that would run out and help him fix it, you know, or if uh, Danny from the House Rockers needed to switch guitars for something, I would help him out. And, you know, so I got to very, I got, I was very lucky to get to stay out of Kevin Buell's way. Yeah. That was my main instruction. They cross first, then, yeah. then you do, you know? Yeah. So, but things like that, you know, like I got to be close and I got to, you know, meet Bruce a couple of times and Danny got to introduce me. I, uh, one, you know, and I, I met him as a fan a couple of times, but I was introduced to him like, you know, once or twice. And again, I don't think he would know me if I fell on him, but Danny was very gracious to say, Hey Bruce, this is Bobby Mahoney. He's a young singer songwriter. He's going to be guitar teching for us tonight. So Bruce kind of looked at me, kind of looked me up and down and says, don't fuck up. You can bleep that one out. Yeah. Uh, or or not. And then yeah. he said, and then so after the, sh- I, and then he laughed. So he was obviously, you know, at least yeah. half kidding. So then after the show, I thanked him I, and I got to kind of go up at the finale and jam with the, the whole light of day family. And so that was, you know, getting to play on stage with Springsteen. That's like, you know, I can die tomorrow. Yeah, honestly. Exactly. And, yes. And again, yeah. to stand you know, next to the guy who wrote Thunder Road. Yeah, sing it, you know, at, crazy. But yeah. after the show, I ran up and was like, you know, went up to the dressing room before it got crazy. I was like, thank you for the opportunity, but thank you also for just the music and everything. And he said, you know, he looked at me, he's like, you had the show on your shoulders and you didn't fuck up. <laughs> so I was like, good. Okay. That's, 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 that's things that you, um, when you're feeling depressed or feeling down or fearing discouraged, right? Cause we all have those moments, right? Yes. That you can go, well, once Bruce Springs looked at me and told me I didn't fuck up, right? Yes. Like, okay, I've got that going for me. Exactly. It's like, yeah. I don't got much, but that's it. And, you <laughs> yeah. Know, 
no, I'm very fortunate to have had experiences like that. And as a just as a fan being in the general admission at Met MetLife, or you know, to be able to be that close to him, like um, last time I was at Light of Day when he was there, he uh, warmed up on one of my guitars. So that's my. I can't post the picture anywhere because it's going to be in a documentary about Willie Nile eventually. And I, the photographer was very nice to send me the picture, yeah. but yeah, it's just like, you know, Bruce is holding the guitar that my grandfather left to me. And it's just like, wow. you know, that's, you know, that's real. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's, that's cool. It would be hard not to be a fanboy. And, and and I respect you not like, okay, hey, you know, Bruce, I don't ask for autographs often, but you understand this is my grandfather's guitar you're playing on. If I could have you sign that, because I will years ago when my son was little, we were at a baseball game, a Texas Ranger game, and um the a a player, and I can't remember the player but hit a foul ball and it came and I had no depth perception and it's coming and it hits me on the shoulder, right? It hits me on the shoulder yeah. and it bounces onto the field. And then uh, the, the, the ball boy, you know, was nice enough that they said, yeah, give it to the fan. So he reached, grabbed it off field, gave it to me. And, um, and Will Clark, who was playing first base for the Rangers at the time, you know, looked at me and like, no, 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 use your glove, not your shoulder. You know, like it was yeah. giving me a hard time. And I asked the ball boy between innings, I, I said, would you get in trouble if, if I asked you to try have Will Clark sign it, you know, because he gave me crap. He goes, yes, I would get in a lot of trouble. I said, okay, then I, you know, I'll move on, move on. But it was yeah. just the idea of that moment, not necessarily collecting an autograph at that moment. Yeah. So uh, I, I, that's gotta be a treasure. Well, that's why I'm happy I have that picture, if nothing else. And again, I got at some point in time when I'm with you, uh, eventually, hopefully we can hang out. I can, I'll show it to you or if I can get, or get permission to post it. But I do have my friend before I got to meet him, my friend, Elijah, um, and his family got to meet him at a sort of a private thing at Fairleigh Dickinson university. And he actually signed my copy of my mom's copy of born to run. So two Bobby. So I was, he drew the little guitar thing. So I, yeah, nice. So that's my, I have, and so there was definitely moments where I was a bit more of a fanboy, and like even like you know Danny from the House Rockers will tell you when I he first walked in one of the sound checks I was at, I was you know I must have tuned the same guitar fifteen times. Sure, you know absolutely. I'm, like absolutely looked like you know my chicken with my head cut off. You know. Yeah. Um, so, but does, I like to think I've gotten better at it. Yeah. You wonder, years. do you ever get over the fact that he becomes Bruce from Jersey, right? Like, you know, it's, it's Bruce from Freehold or, you know, and um, once again, to bring back to sports, um, there was a coach for a while for the Dallas Stars called Ken Hitchcock. Mm -hmm. And there's a sports station here called The Ticket. And randomly, he would just pick up the phone and call on a weekend, you know, or on a way and just not a scheduled interview. Just, hey, I heard you guys talking about this. Let me visit. And they said that um, he almost became Ken from Compel. You're like, you know, in sports, like, hey, we've got Ken from Compel here. Uh, yeah. And it never really did. So you're like, like I, I wonder how comfortable do you have to be? Or unless you grew up with him, he will always be 
Bruce effing Springsteen, right? Like, no matter how casual he is. It's really hard. And, like, it's even... I feel for him because, like, again, he's one of the celebrities that I feel like is more casual than many. And even with him, like, especially now, like, it's really tough. Like, P.S. gets mobbed everywhere. And, you know, anywhere he goes, adults turn into children. Yes. You know, and again, and myself included. Yeah. You know, so people just kind of are fawning all over him all the time. And, like, you know, for every moment, because, again, like, I've been blessed to have moments with him that people would kill for and yeah. everyone but you know it's like and again like you said like in that moment you have that opportunity that but you know 1500 times a day because everybody has their their moment you know yeah. so like i can see how it could be taxing after a while but he was very soft-spoken he was very kind and he was you can just tell he's just always thinking yeah like it seems like a very intelligent person um so let's switch just for a moment to your music so um you talked about you got your guitar and you learned how to make it talk um but did you feel this calling to make music almost immediately or Um, was this something that you slowly came to i remember specifically when i was before i was 10 so you're probably like you know seven or eight years old i remember specifically being like I do not want to be one of those teenagers that just sits in his room and listens to music. I remember like actually saying that out loud, I think. And I was kind of wrong. That was, you know, uh, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy in the opposite way. Um, but yeah, music at first didn't really interest me. And I think it wasn't until I got sort of that visual element of like people playing guitars and like being on stage. And like, I always liked performing. Like I was, when I was two or three, I would be reciting Disney movies, you know, for my family and, you know, doing songs from Mary Poppins. So I always liked performing. Um, but I think it was like, honestly, even like, I think Bon Jovi probably got me into music earlier than Springsteen did, but it was like kind of like the stepping stone. Um, I was a huge Bon Jovi fan when I was younger and I still am. I, I love them. Uh, but the, I, I wanted to start writing songs when I was like 10. And that's when I saw like the, bon jovi on a verizon commercial i think it was have a nice day and like that's when i wanted to learn the guitar and that's when i asked my grandfather if he could bring the guitar over and but i wanted to play the guitar to write songs because i wanted to really be a singer but my voice at the time and was not is not i'm not a gifted enough singer that just you know i'm not and i've worked very hard to get my voice to a point where it is now but um but like, and that's another reason why I look up to guys like Springsteen and Neil Young and Jesse Mallon and, you know, these guys that have maybe not the best voices, but unique voices. And they embrace their voices in a way that, you know, it's them, you know. Yeah, and- I um, Bruce was on uh, AMC, right, a couple of years ago um, and was, inter- uh, you know, he introduced a couple of... Um, films and the guy interviewing i'm drawing a blank on which of the hosts was doing it but you know and bruce talked about he did not think he had a great voice and that's like he why he would never do like an album of covers and of course i'm screaming at the tv no do you know man i would buy i would so buy 
um, Bruce Springsteen sings the songs of Johnny Cash, or you know, Bruce Springsteen yeah. does country western standards. I would like in a minute would love that. So, but he's a but, songwriter, and that's exactly. where you know, and that's and I felt the same way. And like, I we do cover songs in our sets, but not and like you know, we for like in a, like a set of 20 songs, maybe we'll do two or three covers, you know. Yeah. But again, I didn't. I wanted to learn the guitar to write songs and that's the idea of telling stories. And like, I think I also like just the idea of being a writer. Like I think in other points of my youth, I think I wanted to be like a writer. I wore, wanted yeah. to write books or something like that, or I, I love movies so I could see myself writing movies, but I think I like writing songs because I think songs can be a movie. I think songs can be a book and that's what, you know, yeah. Like, you know, Bob Dylan winning the, you know, Nobel Prize or Nobel Laureate or whatever, the Nobel Pr Prize, I think, right? Well, he got some yeah. very, 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 the highest writing award you can get. And it's the idea that songwriting can be this sort of higher art while condensing into, you know, learn more from a three-minute record than we ever learned in school, you know? Yeah. It's wild to me how, and this, you know, movies would be nothing without music. Yeah, exactly. Or movies as we know them now, would, right. you know, would be no, would be nothing without music. So just that, that's what called to me was that idea that oh, I can create songs, you know. Yeah, and like, I'll figure out the rest of it. Like oh, I got to learn the guitar and I have to learn how to sing and learn how to write write songs. Oh, I'll figure that out as I go, you know. But, right. Yeah. Um, there's that great scene um, in Love Actually where the young kid you know, tells his stepdad, you know, he's in love with the girl and he has a plan, you know, he's going to be, he's going to become a drummer. He's going to become a musician. Right. And he's like, um, you know, and Liam Nielsen, like, well, look at Ringo. He has a bond girl. I mean, you know, there, yeah. He said a couple plant things though. One, you don't play the drums, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and the kid just, minor details right like no i have a plan now i you know and i could see that i'm going to you know i'm going to create music i'm going to write songs yeah but you don't know how to read music you don't know how to play guitar you don't particularly like your voice details details yeah but you yeah. have a plan we'll figure it out the rest of the way as we go yeah none of it made sense and my friends actively at times, like I got some of my best friends, I love them dearly, tried to talk me out of it. Be like, you know, your voice isn't that great. Maybe I don't know why you're doing this. And for a little while, I just focused on guitar and thought, okay, well, I like Richie Sambora. You know, I can just do play guitar, even though he's an amazing singer too. But like, I could, I, I could just play guitar in a band. That'd be fine. Yeah. And then I started a band in junior high and we all kind of drew straws and I kind of got stuck singing. Yeah. So it was like, all right, well, I guess I got to figure it out. And here I am. So, and in that regard, like, in some ways, and I've said this to people again, and I've said it a bunch to you already, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I could hang it up tomorrow. I've done things that I'm very thankful for. And people go lifetimes without being able to do. And that sounds, you know, braggy. And like, I'm just very thankful for it. But I'm also still very hungry. And I'm very excited for the next things coming up and just the whatever's next in our, it's the musical journey. Because again, I'm trying to be less focused on a destination with it or feeling like putting pressure on myself for like a numbers thing or like a perceived level of success. I'm just, you know, right now I'm trying to just write the best songs I can and you know, get them out to people and hope some people enjoy them. Um, so this, you know, we're slowly starting to come back up. Uh, 
though I don't know how things are there in Jersey and Texas, we're hurting. Um, yeah. and, and we're, we're under a political governor who seems to be just embracing the, the everything wrong with conservatism. Um, so, but for this past year and a half, how about you? Like, have you, how have you, how do you promote music when you can't play live? You know, like, how do you keep that, that creative fires going? What a wonderful question that I've been figuring it out moment to moment, every, you know, moment to moment as we go. I did, I've been very fortunate again, that I've been kept busy. I was able to do a live stream. I did a lot of live stream concerts in particular, I was doing one on Facebook every Sunday morning called uh, Bloody Marys and Coffee with Bobby. Because I was thinking, because everybody, at, when it all kicked off and we were Great all name. home, thank you. Everybody was doing like seven or eight o'clock at night live streams. And I, you know, it was be really tough to, you know, get people to watch because there were so many other people doing the same thing. So I kind of picked a time slot that might just be dealing with church. But other than that, most musicians weren't going to be up playing the guitar that early. So I had a good, you know, core 50 to 100 people that were tuning in every week, you know, and that kind of blew my mind. And, you know, just connecting with a lot of Springsteen fans, honestly, but like around the world, like, you know, people from the UK were setting their Sunday afternoons so they can tune in and watch, you know, people from all over Europe, Sweden. And, you know, just very cool to me. And again, that's another thing that Springsteen's music has brought me is that this, you know, that in the light of day community has introduced me to so many international friends. And, um, but so getting back to the question, yeah. So live streams, I've been recording new songs and, and we've been recording a record slash EP. I'm not exactly sure what we're calling it yet, but we've been recording songs for the last year and a half as well in Homedale at my friend's house in his basement. He has a studio set up there and we've been doing that. Shout out to Joe Palm. Uh, and that and just writing songs and, you know, teaching via Zoom and, you know, uh, that's really it. But we've been able to play a couple of times. We did a couple outdoor socially distanced shows where we, you know, tried to be as careful as possible. Because I also recognize that, you know, while the entertainment industry really did shut down, some people really didn't stop playing. Some people were still out playing the local bars and, you know, that were available or playing outside places and so at a certain point, I was like, well, people need to be able to do something. You know, people are stuck in their house. People need to be able to do something. So some friends of mine helped me put together a couple outdoor shows. We did one um, in Asbury Park in someone's front yard. Shout out to Asbury Sunset Presents. We did one at the Count Basie Theater. We did set up outside. They had a whole outdoor series of shows that we sort of... Uh, came up, got the bowl rolling with them. Yeah. Shout out to Joe Paluto over at the Count Basie. And they were all super nice to us. And then we, in June, July, for that two week span where we thought things were going to be okay, when everyone here was like burning their masks and everything. Uh, not myself, but, you know, other people. Um, and, you know, when it kind of was looking up, we had we got to play a show at House of Independence in Asbury Park, which is a nice big indoor venue but i booked it there on purpose so i knew we wouldn't really sell it out right but we were people would be able to spread out to their comfortability you know we had a hundred more people than i expected which was great that so is we nice did, that was an, but 
now, if we had a hundred more people, I don't know if I'd be as excited about it given where we're at now, a couple months later. Uh, but it's still a very good problem to have. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, we've had a great lineup of bands that night too. So we've been able to keep busy. Um, it's just for a while there, I felt morally obligated to not play because to me it was like, I don't want someone to get sick and die because I needed to someone to clap for me and go, yay, Bobby. You know, that to me didn't feel right. Yeah, um, J- and, Jason yeah. Isbell had similar thoughts, right? Like you had to at the show lately just a few weeks ago in Fort Worth um you had to prove either you're negative with COVID or that you'd been vaccinated uh yeah. same thing coming up I'm I'm going to see the Eagles and you know the venue has said that you need to have proof of vaccination or a negative test within yeah. a certain amount of days so because you don't want people to get sick because of you because you're going to you know I I I don't want people to get sick because I want to go here desperado. Right. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And again, like, you know, at a certain point, like, you know, it's people, it's the artists and their crews livelihood. So I understand the need for people to get out. And I'm in the very fortunate position of having a day job and teaching during the day to keep the lights on. So I was able to not play. Whereas other people who maybe didn't want to put people in a situation where they um, they didn't want to do it, but they had to because, you know, you got to keep put food on the table if you have a family, you know, and that's how you get your, you got to play. So I, I understand that. I'm not trying to shame anybody for playing, you know. No, but I, I, just, that, I understand what you're exactly it's a, what you're it's saying. It's a hard spot, you know. It and is. So I really waited as long as possible. And even now, um, I'm really not going out of my way to play if people are reaching out to me and I feel it's, uh, a worthwhile cause or uh, a safe way to make a couple bucks, you know, then I'm willing to entertain it. But we have a couple like things, um, full band shows that were, we have something in Philadelphia booked in November, but like, you know, um, we'll see, you know, and as I could be, again, I always say, people ask me, you know, do you have anything coming up? And I, I have a couple things, um, but like that could change tomorrow. I could get a call yeah. tonight and, you know, we could have something coming up much sooner but again i'm not really going out of my way because i still think it's not a great situation and i think right now behind the scenes i think the entertainment industry is freaking out again it seems yeah i think so so again whenever this airs you know we'll see you know it could be a very different situation yeah well it is and it's i I think it could be we you know we hopefully it'll be fine but it is you know as i said we're recording this you know, in the middle of September, this will be out in the first of October. And, um, you know, I, I just don't know. I like, I, I have tickets to go see the Eagles. Uh, I'm going to see, um, Michael Nesmith and Mickey Dolans who were, you know, two of the two remaining, uh, surviving monkeys. Um, Lily Hylett is coming and here who's John Hyatt's daughter, um, I'm a big fan of hers. And uh, for the first time ever in my adult life, 
Kiss is coming and I'm going to see Kiss. You know, That's I, awesome. yeah, the the 17 year old Jesse who loved rock and roll all night and Destroyer, uh, I'm kind of excited. You know, that That's Kiss good. that Kiss Alive eight track did get a lot of play when I was in high school. They um, do it like nobody else. You have yeah, a good time. Yeah, it should be. Um, so let's go back to Bruce. Let's talk about songs and albums that mean a lot to you. Maybe uh, share your thoughts on Letter to You, Western Stars. You take yeah. us where you want, Bobby. So like a lot of people, for me, the the cream of the crop is, you know, Born to Run, Darkness. Um, really, those two, it could kind of go back and forth either way. Like Thunder Road, Born to Run, Jungle Land in itself, you know, done that's all you need but then you add 10th avenue freeze out you add she's the one you add back streets you know me across the river that's incredible um the fact that he wrote that at 25 in a little house in asbury park or not asbury in long branch but you know new, new jersey like, that's crazy darkness is the guitar record so as a guitar player i really appreciate that record and it's the darker quality to it and it's the it's the punk record you know so like that i like um the river's great i love the songs on greetings like you know listening to those the john hammond demos is like super inspirational to me just because again like i you know that's it's where it starts you know um letter to you i absolutely loved um I think the band sounds great. The documentary made me cry a lot. Um, it's all really good. Um, I think the older songs that they chose to, are on it that are are perfect. And yeah, they, they really are good. Yes. Um, I love Matt. The first. Oh, I love the rising. I grew up with those songs. I didn't see him on that tour. My parents saw him at Giant Stadium in the rain on that tour and they said that was one of the best shows they ever saw um you know he was just running out and you know getting as wet as the crowd um but so like you know mary's place the rising lonesome day you know those songs oh i loved those growing up the first new springsteen song i heard on the radio was radio nowhere so i always have a fondness for that i remember even at the time i didn't think i really loved this song and even now it's not my favorite but I definitely have an appreciation for it and uh, a nostalgia for it, for sure. Well, um, for me, my first show was The Rising, but I was a casual fan. Like, I had not, I had listened to The Rising a couple of times, but I hadn't done my homework. Yeah. So then when he was touring, you know, I'd seen him live. Then he released Devils and Dust. And man, I wore that CD out just on repeat constantly in the yeah. car. And so when I went and saw him there, like I knew all the songs, you know, whether I liked Silver Palomino yeah. or, or not, I just, you know, oh, I, I've seen him. And so I have that same feeling about Devils and Dust. I realize it's not a quote unquote great album you know but it has a special place to me because that was the first like i feel like when i went to the show the teacher was going to give me an a for you know like you did all your prep work you were there yeah i did the pre you know the pre-course you know curriculum completed so i was ready to do 
that's good. And like, I mean, that's Devils and Dust is a great song. I love that song. And like that record, again, like it's those songs are movies, you know. And like again, like it, it, well, I I can't believe I didn't say this yet though. I need to pause. Nebraska is one of my favorites as well. I'm a big Nebraska apologist. I do love that record as a songwriter because to me, if those song, if we got the Electric Nebraska, which I would, get, would love to hear one day. I think a lot of people would. To me, if that came out, it wouldn't have served the songs. Because again, as a songwriter, everything you do has to serve the song. Exactly. Yes. So those songs that are so dark and so depressing, and again, movies, really, the medium in which they were recorded perfectly reflects that. And that's like, again, like now, is it the best sounding record? But no, not at all. But that idea, and it's on purpose, but the idea that they're sound haunted and that's why that, as an art piece, that's so great. Now, again, is that going to be, am I going to throw on, uh, you know, a Highway Patrolman while I'm ha- on a sa- Saturday drive in gorgeous weather? No. <laughs> you know, but that's the kind of record you listen to and by yourself in the dark, you know, and, you know, just really uh, wallow in it or bask in it you know, depending how you want to look at it. That, so, that record is great to me. Yeah. And the, so, the acoustic stuff I love. Yeah. So Bobby, and I, this is not fair, but I'm going to ask you anyway, it, it often you read and you hear people that tend to love more of the alternative rock, the, whether it's grunge or, or, or you know, or, or punk often Nebraska will be mentioned as one of their favorites. Why do you think that is? Because it speaks to the punk in all of us that's recording a record on whether it's like a four track you know, cassette recorder or, you know, like my students now that have iPads and are recording on GarageBand on their Macs or whatever. And like, it's, it's the same thing. It's that idea that you don't need a million dollar studio to make a piece of art that matters. Now that leads into that idea now that anybody with a laptop can make music. So there's a lot more art, let's say, to cut through, you know, because back in when Springsteen was started to record, he had to get, you know, not necessarily, but like to demo, get those demos with John Hammond, he had to be going to Columbia, you know, to, he had to be working in this, you know, those studios were expensive and not everybody could just go and cut singles and stuff and records. So growing up now, anybody with a laptop can do it. But Nebraska sort of speaks to that idea that, you know, you just need a cassette recorder and you can get your point across. And yeah, to me, it's, it's a, it's within reach while also being wildly without of reach, you know, or, you know, out of reach because that idea of, it being such a happy accident, you know, and happy is not the right word <laughs> for that record, but that it, so many things had to go perfectly wrong for it to sound the way it does now and for the way it, for it to translate. And they yeah. even seen those rumors that he walked around with the tape in his pocket for a while and that maybe even like wore it out. I think that's a little, I don't know if that's true or not, but that idea that he stuck to his ground also artistically you know and again his next record was going to be 
biggest commercial selling record of all time. And he could have sort of cut, jumped to that if he, I think, if he wanted to earlier. And again, he had Born in the USA as a song, but he had the artistic know-how or uh, instinct to hold on to that one. But then to put out the 10 that he did on Nebraska, I think it was 10. Uh, but yeah, there's just something about those songs that it's, you don't also need to be a fantastic, uh, you, those are just a couple of chord songs. You know, like they're for punks and for folk, they're right in people's wheelhouse. I think that's another reason, too. Yeah, I think well said, really well said. Do you you've talked about it seems like you've seen Bruce a fair amount of times. Um, Are there songs you're still chasing, though? Are there songs that when you get to see him live again? In 2022, 2023, whenever we get a tour again, are there songs you're still wanting to hear? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of like, I also like tracks are things I really love, like tracks and the promise. So like my friends and I, like we, you know, we love Lion's Den, <laughs> you know, uh, big, uh, you know, he has played, my friend got to see him play Roll of the Dice, but I'd like to see him do that. Um, Lion's Den is one of those that I would love to hear. Yeah, and like, you know, I don't know, like, it's weird, because on one hand, like, for a while, like, Rosalito was one that he didn't play for for some reason for a long time when I saw him, and even yeah. Thunder Road, I didn't see him play the first couple of times, like, or he's, maybe the first time he didn't play it. Um, at this point in time, as, you know, I want, I, I want another band tour, but there's a lot of those high-energy rock and roll songs that I don't want him to hurt himself doing or feel the need he feel he has to do to appease us. So part of me would, at this point, I want to see him doing the songs that he wants to do, I think. And to me, that's more interesting than me being like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, like, now that said, like, of course, there's things I, you know, like, I'd love to hear, like, Lion's Den and, like, something weird, like, Harry's place would be a cool thing to hear, or uh, the promise, or um, some of the stuff off the le- like letter to you, like uh, um, if I were a priest and um, those older songs, like that, those we need to hear live. Like so, that I'll be happy to hear. Hopefully, um, I don't know. I can't think of any like one particular like white whale of like a. Uh, Oh, I need to hear him play. And I'm, of course, when we hang up, I'll think of something, I'm sure. Sure. No, I get that. I totally understand. <clears throat> the um, let's, let's go back to your music again a little bit. Where, where can people find it? Um, I like to say anywhere you can uh, purchase, stream, or steal music nowadays. So okay. uh, well, yes. we have our, I have our website, bobbymahoneymusic.com as well as, you know, Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp is probably the, if you wanted to purchase music from us, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, I've told that from a couple of people that that seems to be the most band, musician-friendly, you know, option, right? Most, uh, I would say. There's yeah. still things that could be better about it, but sure. overall, yes, it's definitely short of 
come, you know, emailing me directly and me, you know, you pay, paying me directly. That's yeah, like, hey, you know, here's, here, you know, here's twenty five bucks, right? Yeah, uh, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, it truly is. Good. Yeah, I just YouTube saw the website. Is another one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Very nice. Um, the what's next for you? What do you What are you looking for next, musician, musically? What do you want to yeah. do? Well, we have this. We have five songs right now that we're in the process of mixing. We started yeah. tracking these songs in like last October, so it's been almost a year. And it's not like we've been working on these every. Well, I've been beating myself up every day about them, but it's not like we've been in the studio every day for a year. It's because of COVID and everything. We, you know, tracked them all socially distant in my friend's basement, like all apart. And then we've periodically been able to go and track more and. Um, mix more and things like that and we've been chipping away at the block i'm thinking we're getting close to finishing it but at this point in my life we've been fortunate to put out a bunch of cds and have a bunch of songs online and i don't really want to put anything out until it's really truly done in my mind and i've been the kind of person to like book the cd release show before the cd's done you know yeah i try i really try to at this point i don't want to do it if it's not really good so I'm really trying to finish these, get these five, um, this EP, I guess, or either collection of singles or an EP, or we'll see what happens. It could be end up something different, but I think it's going to be an EP of songs that they were all, a lot of them were written pre-pandemic, but they have all kind of taken on new meaning to me. And a lot of them are more about just like being in a band being a creative in this sort of weird time, um, just the different things that that does. And also just a little bit of that. The mortality thing has worked its way into it just again just because of the year and a half we've all been through sure um, absolutely so those songs and then i have a list of songs of mine that i'm trying to that are all in various stages of completion that i could go in and start recording tomorrow you know but or summers i like to let things marinate so okay. like i'll write a song and like you know Oh, it'll sit for a while in my notebook until it's time for I need I need something or I need to pull an idea from it or I find myself humming it one day six months after I wrote an idea I'll yeah. go oh that must be a good one then and mm-hmm. then I'll yeah. go and finish fleshing it out and bring it to the band and we'll flesh it out from there and then we flesh it out more in the recording process and it really is kind of like taking a piece of marble and slowly chipping away at it until you have the sculpture eventually yeah right it is what is that what the sculpture said i can't remember which one right but like michelangelo or somebody said i see that and i just take away everything that's not of what my finished piece is and so um i i think that's well said um so bobby is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, you didn't ask me about how I know John Alba. Because, you know, that could be a good one. Um, you know, for listeners, if you checked out the uh, John Alba episode, John and I were uh, high school uh, friends. We were. He was in originally the guitar player in Seventh Son, and right. then later Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son, because right. we started as just like a high school band for like a battle of the bands and. It was really supposed to be a one-off gig, and I was simultaneously doing a lot of solo acoustic gigs in Asbury, 
And then when people went off to college and we had a different lineup and it kind of was become, it was my band sort of anyway, I was singing and playing guitar and right. rather than have separate things, we kind of just put the branding all together. And it really, a part of it was because of just not wanting to rename Facebook pages partially. Yes. But, that's so funny. Named, because um, <clears throat> John Alba came up with the name seventh son and we got it from an ACDC lyric from the song, bad boy boogie. Okay. And, to me, I think of it as like the, the rock and roll spirit and just that, right. you know, Angus Young, you know, uh, Springsteen, just very, you know, high energy rock and roll. So that's what it means to me. Right. So, um, but John and I, we've been to many uh, concerts together. We've seen Springsteen a bunch together at, you know, we went to Hershey together to see him. We've, John was in the audience that night at Light of Day when I got to play with Bruce. Um, you know, John has just been a great supporter of my music and just when he, when he's in the band, when he's not in the band, when he's, uh, you know, just as a great friend, as a collaborator, you know, it's it's great knowing him. So, yeah, I love talking to him. I thought that was I was really how proud how the interview went. And it meant a lot to me, you know, after he tweeted something along the line of if you really want to know me, this is one of the best interviews, you know, so that that made me feel very good. Um yeah, so very cool. I'm glad you have that connection. And you guys have stayed, you know, he's in Florida now, but you guys have stayed connected and friendly, yeah, right? Definitely. And like, actually, he's visiting up right now and we were, I'm going to see him on Tuesday. Um, but he, uh, he's gonna, actually going to come hang in the studio a little bit and lend his ears to us for us a little bit. Oh, good. But, That'll be fun. Yeah, no, he didn't. Anytime we've been in Florida, he's let us crash at his place and, you know, and Houston, when he's in town or when we're in town, he'll still come up and jam with us. And that's it's great. great. Is it? And, you know, I, there's not many people that I have that connection with on stage that I have with him. And yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And I've, I'm very fortunate to play with really great guys in general. And, you know, the current band is awesome. And I hope we get to Texas and can play for you eventually. And that would be awesome. You know. I would love that. Yeah, that's great yeah so you know that's really i think you know our music is really for anyone who's fans of uh gaslight anthem uh against me menzingers uh if you like mm -hmm. springsteen you'll like spring if you'll probably like us um good so do you do a springsteen cover occasionally well i do a, a more acoustic yeah but i do mm -hmm. uh, a bunch like uh we do pink cadillac we've done uh i do thunder road i do uh, Willie Niles bass player Johnny Pie says I do the fastest version of Rosalita he's ever heard I also like doing uh, Open All Night from Nebraska um, we have done we did a Springsteen cover set a couple years ago for uh, a Why Hunger benefit with Joe Durso um, and we got to do Roll the Dice and Lion's Den and a couple songs we wish that we, he would we would get to see him do so that was fun you know so I, well, I bet that would have been fun. Yeah, that so. would have been fun. That's that's cool. That I, I would have liked to have been at that show. That would have been neat. Yeah, I think that I got to see if there's a video online. Either John or I can see if we can get it to okay, you. But then John played guitar for us that night, actually. He, was, oh, he, how he fun. came out of his way to we did like kind of it was our band. But we kind of had an extended band a little bit and had some other guys play with us. And, you know, ended up being a lot of fun. So. That sounds great. That's good. All right. Um. Before we get you out of here, I got to ask you the Mary question. Uh, okay. If you are a Bobby fan 
and you're listening, this is your first Set Listing Bruce episode. First, thank you for listening. Um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher, recently retired from the Philadelphia area. And when he was teaching, he would take two days every uh, year with his seniors and they would break apart Thunder Road. They would look at all the lyrics. They would talk about the imagery that Bruce um, used, the themes. And at the end of the two days, he asks the question, does Mary get in the car? Bobby, that is your question. Does Bobby, Bobby, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I like to think so. Okay. I think given everything and how imperfect they both are, I, I think she gets in the car. Okay. That's, I, and at least I like to think so because um, as a songwriter, as a romantic, I think I like to think she got in the car and took, took that chance. Um, and then just that, that mel- melody at the end, I think is a triumphant melody, but it's also a, uh, it's a, me- again, like Bruce said, it's, that's, it's a song about beginning. Yes. You know, so I do think, I, I think she got in the car. Good, good. I like that answer. Um, you know, I've had someone on the show that said, when it's the E Street Band doing it live, she gets to the car. When it's him acoustic, she doesn't. Because of, the, because of the ending. Because he said, you know, then when it's the E Street Band, it is a triumphant, you know, going out. But when it's him himself, he's kind of the more na 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 that it it feels more like he's driving by himself it could be or maybe it's just that they're either older or it's a quieter triumph yeah. he's like you know in like the e street band we think of this as grand like you know moment like you know like a movie you know it's like you know yeah hand held out like are you gonna get it and you know but maybe in the quieter version maybe it's more like a a nod like a yeah you know and i don't know you know and that's a good point and like you know it's interesting to think that like you know the lyrical content of the song could be changed based on the um musical the way the music is performed you know in different instances well and you know there is something to be said for he he chose to do born in the usa as a triumphant rock ballad not the blues version you know that that you know that's a conscious choice he made i think he regrets that though you think so well maybe not his bank account but i do think i think these there's i've only seen him play that version the big band version once here it was only when he was playing the full album I don't think he likes to play it in the States on, in, on purpose because yeah, I think he doesn't want to give that portion of his audience that uh, beer drinking moment, you know, okay. the flag waving, the false, uh, yeah, the lack of listening. Because I don't think the audiences here listen hard enough. He'll sure. play it in Europe, but I don't, I, I could be wrong, but I, I, I don't think he, I think if he could have his way, I think he would, as an artist, I think he would have done it differently, maybe. Interesting. I, mean, I could be wrong. If you if someone were to ask him, he might feel very differently about it. But yeah. 
I could because again, it's just so misconstrued. <clears throat> yeah. And to me, I mean, I love this song, and it was one of the first songs of his that I connected with. But I have it's not something I it's not my go to listening song or album really. Yeah. Um, but most of that song because again, I know what it's like. I can I know what it's about, and right. I don't know. To me, there's nothing, especially nowadays. I have a lot less to be uh, so rah rah, <laughs> you know, about yeah. things. So, um, yeah, it just pisses me off how people have hijacked it and don't really listen to what it's about. Well, um, I had uh, Heather on the podcast earlier this year, and she is a huge Leonard Cohen fan. And she talked about that uh, Leonard Cohen's most well-known song is mis- you know, misunderstood as much as you could argue Bruce Springsteen's most well-known song is misinterpreted. And I thought that was pretty insightful. Uh, and, you know, at the time they had, this was right around the election. So I guess it must've been last year, but um, they had done, um, it was whenever they did a tribute for all the people that had lost. So I guess it was this I guess it was in this year um, and they played, someone did a version of Hallelujah and you're like, really? The, the, I, I guess it's a good song to choose, but it just, it's very different. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like, you know, yeah, it, it sounds nice. And on paper, I see why people go for it, but yeah. it's like, you're not really listening. Exactly. Yes. Uh, Bobby, this was great. Thank you so yeah. much. I appreciate it. Uh, once again, Tell us how to find you on social media and where to find your music. So Bobby Mahoney and the seventh son, S-E-V-E-N-T-H-S-O-N. And the reason I spell it out is because we get a lot of uh, errors uh, with that. And, you know, much to the chagrin of many poster makers and uh, graphic designers over the years. Uh, So, yeah, Bobby Mahoney and the seventh son. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Bobby Mahoney either at Bobby Mahoney Music or Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son. Our website is bobbymahoneymusic.com. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple Music, on Instagram, on, uh, I like to say, uh, Christian Mingle, Farmers Only. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, no, we had not, not those dating sites. But we are yes. on, uh, the, on, the, on the music sites. And, uh, yeah, just anywhere you can just Google us, you can find our music. And, you know, you might find... Uh, yeah, so that's I'm um, you can tell how much I love the sales pitch. So yeah, yeah please exactly. Listen to more music. Yeah. <laughs> uh no problem, Bobby. I appreciate it. this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Um good luck, continued success. Absolutely keep me posted. Uh when you've got the new EP ready to go out, reach out to me. We'll have you on again so you can promote it. We'll play Thank a you. few clips of the music and we'll talk about that. And if you're coming to Texas, absolutely you're coming to DFW. Uh, let me know so we can uh, meet up, share a beverage, and I can uh, enjoy some music and maybe interview you live. Um, listeners, thank you for all your support. I appreciate all that you do to keep the podcast going. Go get vaccinated. Go. Let's be good to each other. Wear your mask. Let's do what we need to do to get through this because being good to each other is the only way we're going to make it through. For now, thank you, Bobby. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. 
You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.